Hello, everybody. Welcome along to the Event Industry News Podcast with me, James Dixon, wishing you all a very good morning, afternoon or evening, whenever or wherever you tune into today's episode from. And on today's episode, a subject that has been, um, I suppose, touched on is maybe the best way to describe it so far, because there's loads more that we will inevitably talk about this subject uh, in the, the coming weeks, the coming months and the coming years. Um, and it's a subject that I'm still... Uh, Slightly vague on, I suppose. I like to consider myself somebody who is fairly tech savvy um, and has an understanding of, 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 of things. But the metaverse is still something that I wouldn't say is alien to me, but as I said, it is slightly fuzzy, maybe the, the right way to describe it. We have had guests on here previously, just in, in recent months, talking about the metaverse and what it could potentially mean for the events industry. Is it going to be the absolute um, deal breaker is everybody going to be using it we've heard people tell us that there are unlimited possibilities with it but um, we're not so sure that it is quite as easy as that and perhaps that's something that maybe we're going to address and get into with our guests today on the podcast first of all our guest and I must take a breath before I introduce our first guest to ensure that I get correct pronunciation of the name Caroline Mugukian is the CEO of Mesh Caroline founded Mesh in February 2016 and today it is a global leader in Wi-Fi analytics for fan and visitor behavior Caroline a very warm welcome to the event industry news podcast Hello, James. thank you for having me and our second guest today, and I'm always excited to say second guest because it means there's far less work for me to do on these podcasts when there are two people to talk to, is Jack Jacob. Jack is the managing director and founder of the Partnership, of Partnership Network Events, an entrepreneur who founded PNE from his kitchen table in 2018. Jack, a very warm welcome to the Event Industry News podcast. Hi, thanks so much for having me, James. Appreciate it. No problem at all. Um, and as I said, the, the metaverse... Um, I, I, I'm sure, like many people who work in this industry, I consider myself to be fairly um, tech savvy and have an understanding of of things um, technical. But the metaverse is still a bit of a an unknown entity for me. Um, I'm still waiting on that sort of silver bullet explanation that really puts it into layman's terms what it is and what it could potentially do for us. Um, Caroline, come to you first. As I said at the the, the beginning. Um, I've heard people describe it as something that will give us unlimited possibilities with the events industry and we will never need to go places again. We can do everything in this mm -hmm. virtual world. Um, where would you like to start on this one? It, does it present unlimited possibilities or are we still at a phase where, like me, many people are still slightly cloudy about it? Well, I think you can define it because it doesn't exist. This utopian um, experience that we're all going to live our lives through that is as yet uh, very unclear um, is is uh, a, a generously a work in progress, mm -hmm. um, and you know uh, how it evolves and what it becomes. I think is will be dictated and directed by um, hopefully consumers applying some common sense um, and understanding how it adds value to their life as a whole. Um, so at the moment, there's a lot of people with a um, commercial interest mm -hmm. in defining or having their definition of, of the metaverse being adopted. Mm -hmm. um, uh, I haven't seen much demand from the consumer, you know, the man on the street in terms of their needs being fulfilled 
through the metaverse. So at the moment, it's all a bit sort of push rather than pull, I think, which is why it's not very clear because there's a lot of stakeholders and everybody has a different perspective and mm -hmm. there isn't any kind of unified approach today. So the reason that none of us can define it uh, is because there isn't an it. There are many, many it's. Absolutely. Where is where is the distinction between, I suppose, what, what the metaverse is and what we've got at the moment in terms of digital event platforms? Are we, are we already taking advantage of a of a metaverse unknowingly, Jack? Um, or, or is the metaverse more sophisticated than just digital event platforms and a bit of virtual reality? Well, well I hope so, um, because in my experience, um, virtual event platforms weren't brilliant. Certainly our experience of using virtual event platforms w weren't brilliant. Um, I think there's two elements to, to it. I think you've got one that's the conference side um, and, and, and people being able to engage and listen to speakers and learn and share best practice and all those good things that we do at conferences and events. I think the second side of it is depends how you're funded, right? If you're funded through sponsorship, if you have exhibitors, how do you drive people to engage with them? You know, let's let's think about this logically. Mm -hmm. You know, if you're a, a chief exec or a chief operating officer or, or, a, or a budget holder and you're a fairly senior in your organization, are you realistically going to walk around virtual stands when it's hard enough to do that in a, in a real life setting anyway mm -hmm. um, to discover stuff? So I think it really depends on where you're you're funded from. Um, I think going back to the point of, you know, what's the difference between the two? I don't know yet. Uh, and I think that no one knows yet. Um, I think that there's elements where the metaverse probably does have its place. Um, and I think, you know, in, in the world of gaming, things like that. So you look at, I, I don't game, I'm, I'm not a gamer, um, mm. but I think just things that my children play. Sure, know, yeah. Uh, yeah. Fortnite, um, Roblox. You know, I, I, I see them as quite, you know, you enter this world and you have an avatar and you're able to speak, engage, play, shoot, whatever it is that you do, right, in these mm -hmm. in these things. And actually going back to when I was younger and, 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 and played, you know, you had like Grand Theft Auto and you'd enter this world, right? And it's sure, and, yeah, and, yeah. and so on. Now, I, I look into now an event setting. You know, why do we do events? What is the calling? Is it? It's because we bring people together. We have that, you know. An event for me is the success of the of an event is something that you can't see, and it's that vibe in the room. Um, mm. And how do you replicate that in an mm. online in a metaverse setting? Well, there have been certainly, uh, I suppose, attempts to do things virtually. And, and I think it's important when we're talking about events, often on this podcast, we, we go down the route, understandably, of, of, of conferences, of exhibitions, of things like that. But, you know, for me, as, as somebody who's always been a huge music fan, somebody who has who's played music, you know, a, a live music event often is a great sort of um a reference point for for examples like this i feel because you know you can't replicate the feel of being in the room with with air moving as i'd like to describe it you know fe feeling you know the sound hitting your chest when you're in that room um and you know a virtual event is going to be or, or a metaverse held event is a, a gig is going to have to be something really sophisticated and immersive for me to to want to do that in place of a, a live experience caroline the reason that those moments matter um, is because we have five senses, right? The metaverse can't 
cater to those five senses. It mm -hmm. it may cater better to one, <laughs> um, but uh, that 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 kind of emotion, those kind of um, uh, memories, right, are triggered by what you touch, what you smell, what you taste, the beer in your hand, the 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 sort of the holding your husband's hand while your favorite song comes on, whatever it mm. might be. Um, it's, it's, those are the, those are the stuff that make the event, not a viewing experience, but a participating and a, an, an engaging experience. And no platform is going to be able to replicate that. There is always going to be, um, a place for the amplification of those things. There's going to be technology to support a broader distribution of some of that content um but replication of live events no no i don't i my faith in human nature will be destroyed if we replace live experiences with with screen-based uh you know emotive moments i i'll just go and crawl into a cave maybe i'm just a, a, a middle-aged lady and and you know i i can't uh, i can't see the future but um, I will be very, very distraught if humanity ends up being fulfilled through screens. And it, th th that's interesting you say that because we're really being, I feel like we're really being sold it at the moment. Yes, for, for, from we a are. Number, from a number of avenues. I mean, even when you look at something really, really obvious, uh, uh, but it's important to state, you know, you look at Facebook, changing the name mm -hmm. of the group to, to, to Meta, you know, that they are companies that are very much you know not necessarily in the event space but people who face consumers uh you know on a daily basis to, to yeah. millions and millions of people around the world uh, are really sort of selling this this idea of it of it um to us surreptitiously yeah jet's already mentioned it follow the money mm. right do you do you <laughs> think that's do you think that's for my benefit do you do you think that facebook has rebranded itself and repositioned itself for my benefit or for the benefit of its shareholders. Um, mm. I would suggest that that's a very uh, interesting tightrope and that, that um, if you look at the commercial realities of the, the, the group's existing platforms, so Facebook, Instagram, they have, they've ridden their wave, right? Mm. They, are, they are no longer what they were. Um, however, the valuation of those businesses needs to be maintained. They need the next big thing. They need the, the look over here, look over here, shiny toy. Um, and we decided it was the metaverse and it's a very big bet. And, you know, off we go. Let's uh, let's go all in and change the name. Mm, so, yeah. you know, they are making a, a an all in bet on, on something. But it's driven because, in my opinion, uh, the uh, shareholders of those businesses require constant and ongoing innovation mm -hmm. and user numbers are going down on those platforms, not up. And therefore, you need to do something else. Well, well it's interesting. Uh, for context, I should say to people listening to this and watching this today that we're recording it on the 12th of um, September. 
Mm. And uh, later on today, so I don't know when this that, that later episode is going to be broadcast, we are talking about um, some of the statistics that uh, have been collated in, in the last six months or so as to how many people are attending in-person events and the popularity of them. And the trend, wherever you read at the moment, you don't have to dig too deep, Jack, to find that the trend is very much that people are not just back to in-person events, but more enthusiastic about them than ever um, in seeing what they can deliver for them, both from a business point of view, from an emotional point of view, if it's a, a consumer event. Um, and, and I guess that's potentially going to lead to a, an even bigger um, push from from these tech companies who are trying to sell us the metaverse, given that in-person really seems to have had a resurgence since the pandemic. Sure. <clears throat> yeah. And all of those things that you've said there are, is, is ab are absolutely what we're seeing. We've had the most events we've ever done. We've had the most people sign up to the events that, that we put on um, in terms of delegate numbers. We've had the most sponsors we've ever had. We've had the largest programs of speakers we've ever had. Um, so without a doubt, face-to-face -face events are back. Um, <laughs> I think, you know, we, we've got to look at kind of the metaverse in a, in, a, in a number of ways. And we've gone back to the point around, <clears throat> you know, what Facebook are doing and um, or Meta um, are doing, um, and, and obviously there's other big players in this space. And, and I can't pretend that I'm an expert at all because I'm not. Um, and you know, it's, it's this whole Web 3.0 movement, um, this whole Web 3.0 movement, and you know, around blockchain and NFTs and crypto, mm. and 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 it's all kind of all of these. I think those four major things, you know, blockchain, NFTs, crypto, and metaverse for yes. me make up web point uh, 3.0 and I, I may be wrong um i think there's an element of you know what what could it potentially be good for right mm. is there mm. is there an equality piece here um mm. if you've got developing countries developing um well not just countries but um continents um um you know is there a possibility where we can potentially get the leading professor in medicine, for example, um, uh, to deliver a, a seminar, a, 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 some form of, of, of seminar in the metaverse where people from around the world can listen to the leading professor and not need to be in the room, but have that immersive experience. I think that's the key thing, it's the immersive experience. Mm -hmm. Do I believe that they'll work in an event setting or it will work in an event setting? I don't because of all those things you mentioned previously, the in the room, the the, the touching, the holding, the smelling, the mm. um, the hearing, the the ambience, the vibe, et cetera, et cetera. Sure. Um, so I think we really need to categorize where we see this technology working. There is absolutely a space for it. There's no doubt in that. Yeah. You know, or you wouldn't have the biggest companies in the world. And and you know, is that space the next thing that it happens in e-commerce is it mm. that you know these big brands you know the, the louis vuittons the chanel's the you know the big major banks etc have these stores that you walk into and you look around and you have your i don't buy into this by the way but you have your avatar and you try <laughs> and it on and blah, blah blah it still doesn't give you your touch your smell your feel etc and all that just to be clear i'm just playing devil's advocate in sure it. yeah yeah um but is that the space for it i just don't see it in a, in, a, in a, certainly in the events that we run, where our model is is a hosted buyer model, we bring together essentially kind of buyers from a certain industry to listen and learn and and, and engage and network from and 
um, and, and they make up the same kind of speakers. Mm-hmm. And then we sell to, and that's how we're funded. We sell to typically tech firms um, as well as services companies that then want to have FaceTime with those people, want to have meetings, want to showcase what they do in regards to presentations, sit with them at dinner, have a drink, get to know them on more of a personal level. That, that, that's impossible to replicate. We tried to do it you know, in 2020 with our virtual events. And, you know, as I alluded to at the start, the the virtual events, you know, we had to go and we failed and, you know, we failed fast. We done two and, and my team went back on furlough after because it was more damaging for our reputation. It was good mm. for the industries that we work with because the people that funded it did not get any engagement whatsoever. And so I just don't see it happening. And then and then from a practical sense, you know, imagine sat there, realistically, imagine you sat there with this stupidly large headset on, on your <laughs> own, in your bedroom or in your office. Uh, well, you've got, you've got headphones on, <laughs> least you can see, right? Yeah. Um, but, you know, if we're talking about a full immersive, immersive experience, come off it. Are you going to sit there like a like a donut for four hours with a bloody headset on? <laughs> um, oh, oh, I appreciate your candor because, uh, uh, you know, as, as the person who hosts a podcast, you know, there should be an air of impartiality. But hmm. I'm inclined to, to agree with you. You know, hmm. I, I think I uh, come back to the old adage of horses for courses, you know, and, and it may seem like a ridiculous uh, a par- or a comparison. But, you know, you look in the in, in the in the food industry, you know. There is space for Greg's and there is also space for uh, Ramon Blanc, uh, Le Manuel Catsaison with his 12 course tasting menu at eight million pounds a head or whatever he, he charges. You know, it, it, it's it's horses for courses. I've no doubt that in the right context, as you described, the mm. pharmaceutical industry, for example, where, you know, historically there are people who fly in from, you know, international destinations to come for these pharmaceutical gatherings. You know, in the right context, there is undoubtedly possibility for people to well, well, uh, to have to have these type of events but but the same token you know it's not going to be the transformative everyone's going down that route no. that some people have alluded to i think yeah. well imagine this imagine yeah. if there was a seat at the queen's funeral that you could have in westminster abbey and you had to stick a headset on for an hour you'd probably do it you know imagine being and then you know you wouldn't yeah. be in the room but imagine if you could look around and and there was a camera there that was a 360 camera Mm-hmm. Um, and you could kind of have different depths and so on and so forth. And you had the seat next to Charles, right? King Charles now. Um, you'd, you'd, you'd probably do that. It would be quite a good experience to do. You're not going to get a seat in there realistically, are you? Um, it's, it's a great, it's a great, it's a, a, a great sort of example to give because you're right. If that was made public they, they, and, and charged a five or a ticket and gave the money to good causes, they'd raise billions yeah. in that context. But again, it goes back to horses for courses and, and the, the right thing for the right event, Caroline. Well, I think that one of the um, things that Jack said earlier is uh, critical. You use the word learn, listen and learn. And I think you're absolutely right, by the way. I know that I was sounded a little bit sort of negative towards the metaverse. It's it's uh, more a case of I believe it'll have a place. I, I just hope mm. that it's not ubiquitous. Um, yeah. So uh, I I fully can envisage um, an environment where you can learn and you can learn in more detail. You can learn by seeing, potentially learn by doing, depending on how the headset technology moves on and hand controls and you know there's um, uh, uh, and that I think will potentially also fit with a kind of walled garden narrative because 
for the ubiquity of experience, you need a ubiquity of um, uh, uh, accessibility, right? So what's everybody building? It, you know, what, everybody's building their own variation on a theme here. So we're going to end up with like, I don't know, 10, 100, 1,000 metaverses for, I mean, I, I don't know. It's, you know, it's above my pay grade. Got to work out the pill, yeah. Um, <laughs> and who controls that? And how do they make money? And how does everybody else use it? And who develops in what language for it? And so on and so forth. And what hardware works and what's compatible and what doesn't. And like my head hurts already. I mean, I have enough problems switching mobile phones, right? So, you know, mm. I'm not even just going to think about that. But um, I can see a place where it's incredibly useful for um, education, learning, development, um, for communicating what is traditionally more complex in-depth requirements. So things like pharma, medicine, engineering, those, I guess, I suppose, functional areas. Ultimately, you know, from a functional operational perspective, it's a, it's a going to be a great tool. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I don't know that it's an emotive environment. I mean, I'll give you. You also mentioned gaming earlier, so um, we've just done a piece of work uh, for Twitch. Yeah, right, which is obviously much bigger than just, but it's you know it's it began in the gaming world, but the work that we did was to measure their three day face to face TwitchCon experience. You know, so they are moving out of just being screen-based. They recognize that their, uh, their streamers, players, consumers want it to have human interactions. So they're yeah. creating a series of, so they're coming from a world whereby you are an avatar, you, you are not now, you know, you are a digital version of yourself, a screen-based version of yourself. Mm -hmm. And in demand from, those people they're creating physical events for people to go to I and mean, sure. it was madness the, the emotions were i mean these people were um i mean i imagine it was like the beatles i mean they were screaming and it, it's so excited about being in each other's company it was yeah fabulous and terrifying at the same time by the way it was just yeah but i find it really interesting that after 18 months of not being able to see each other the a huge surge to be at these kinds of things is is incredibly powerful and the need to have human connection um uh was was very very tangible mm. and the the gaming one uh, we've spoken on uh, about this on the podcast before the gaming one i always think is a brilliant uh a brilliant sort of again parallel or, or comparison to draw to i think there's a huge amount that the wider events industry can can learn and can uh, can learn and continue to learn from the gaming industry and and, and you look at the rise of e-sports you know e-sports tournaments could be played completely online because that's where 99.9 percent .9 of those games are played on a daily basis is online um and yet when they have their esports tournaments, they gather people together in a convention center. They put up big screens. They put up AV. They bring in all the stuff that we would bring in uh, production-wise for any other event, and they get people in a room. Why? Because the roar of the crowd, the adrenaline buzz that you get from seeing those people and the reaction that they give you, which you can't send adrenaline down a Cat5 cable um, and into somebody's headphones. Not yet, anyway. 
I think I think what we've not mentioned, <clears throat> which is I think sums it up perfectly, is is community, mm-hmm. um, um, and and actually, how do you you know? Yes, there is an, an element of community online, and you know through the following that your your, your company or you personally have on social media and and so on, and and those kind of that dialogue online. But actually, I think the reason that you know. And that east and that that esports example is a brilliant example there of you know it's it's an online based thing, but actually at their major tournaments they bring in everyone together in a room to feel that and it's because of community, um, mm-hmm. it's because it's it's to get that T-shirt to say that you was there or it's the to send that to put that video up on your story to say I was there I was in the room it's that kind of badge of honour. Um, I was one of the few that was lucky enough to actually attend this and, and and so on. So I think that can you replicate that in-person community online? I think from what we said, virtually impossible. Um, um, now, this is virtual technology, so virtually might be possible, right? Um, yeah. yeah. Um, but <clears throat> I just can't see it. Well, it's, you know, again, maybe maybe silly sort of comparisons to draw, but, you know, if you offered, you know, I've got a 16-year-old son who, who's mad on football. And, you know, if, if if I said, right, you can meet Kylian Mbappe in the metaverse for 10 minutes, or you can meet him for 10 seconds in person and get a selfie with him, he'd choose option two every day of the week. Every day of the week. Um, you know, and, and okay, I'm using an extreme celebrity example, but going back to what we were saying about community, you know, a lot of online communities, particularly in the gaming culture, are built and you know the person's avatar or their username, however they, you know, are, are, are profiled on the game. But but there's nothing like then going into room and going, oh, wow, you're, you know, X3F75 on FIFA, you know, nice to meet you. Um, Here's one we don't talk about. My avatar could be blonde and thin and have green eyes i mean i could have hair avatars you can you can um represent yourself uh in uh yeah whatever way you choose i suppose i'd be keith richards just for the record i'd definitely be keith richards uh, how how real uh, is all of this and then who um you know who's uh Who's judge and jury? Who says it's okay and it's not okay to represent or misrepresent yourself? Where where does that start to? Well, it's, I mean, it's bad enough on social media at the moment, isn't it? Don't need longer Twitter. for this chat, aren't we? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> As I say, you raise another point there, which which ties into social media and issues that we've had with you know uh, online abuse. You know, in, 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 on things like Instagram and, and and Twitter platforms where people can remain anonymous, hidden behind profiles that are easy to set up behind pictures that they can you know get off google images in in mm. two clicks of a button um you know that there is if we've not yet policed if that's the right phrase to use if we've not yet policed that world effectively to 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 to, to, to eliminate some of the problems that those worlds create um then potentially the metaverse is 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 taking that and you know times 10. Mm. yeah yeah it was my thought earlier actually is <clears throat> who, where's the governance who 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 has the you know is, you know it's, it's not it's not a jurisdictional thing is it right yeah yeah it's yeah. in the internet there is no borders there is no um there is no kind of countries or 
mm-hmm. or lines. So time who, zones, you know, it yeah. is just there. Yeah. Who who polices that? Who is the person? Mark Zuckerberg. Yeah. So that gets right. Mark, Mark Zuckerberg. <laughs> cool. Um, let us hope yeah. not. Yeah, indeed. Let, let, let us hope not. Um, we've um, we, we, we've flown through time today. Um, we're, we're coming up to sort of half an hour on today's podcast, and and I always have one hour time at this point so that we can maybe start covering a last you know few points. Um, and and the, the the sort of thing that I'd like to maybe talk about finally is is a reversal maybe of of what we've spoken about so far, maybe a sort of a, 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 a devil's advocate um, type mm-hmm. opinion. I remember. In the early to mid nineties, when I was sort of a, a teenager, uh, and Blue Peter used to still be on TV, uh, actual terrestrial TV, uh, at about five o'clock, and they started to give out this thing called an email address, and then they started <laughs> to give out this thing called a website, and they say if you want to look at our website, it's www and if you want to send us an email, it's at I thought, what are these? Two? Why are they giving out two things? Are they not the same? What's the difference? I was really, conf- I remember thinking, being really confused about it, and then find out about this thing called the internet. And slowly but surely, things just sort of evolved, and we adopted it. Um, but I remember clearly the confusion that I felt when I first started to hear about websites and emails, and thinking, what on God's earth is the difference between these two things? And what is the internet? Are, are we at a similar fa- at stage now? Do we think that in five years' time, if the three of us got, you know, back onto this, we would have a clear idea about what the metaverse is? Or do we think it's going to be much longer and it is going to be a sort of a, a much longer term rollout for us to realise what it could be? Shall I come in? Please, Jack. Yeah, yeah. jump in. Um, I, I, I think that five years' time, if we don't have a better understanding, it's because it didn't happen now. Do I think it's going to happen? Absolutely. There's too many big players involved for it not to happen. But what I think we'll have is we'll have some early adopters. Um, we'll have some people that put some money into it and have some, um, you know, really start by kind of dipping their toe in the water or, in fact, jumping all the way in. Um, um, and, and, and where I think that will be is I think that will be major brands. Um, I think sure. that there's... I think, Again, you know, talk of these meta worlds, and there's a few kind of big ones, right? Um, um, and I think that you'll start to see some kind of um, major brands start to enter those worlds um, because perhaps we're the wrong generation to be talking about this as well. You know, perhaps, yeah, perhaps, so, yeah. perhaps it's what's the generation after? Is it Gen Z after millennials? Because I'm a millennial, and I yeah, I don't know. Yeah. The one uh-huh. after that, the one after me. <laughs> um, um, and maybe I'm a millennial that's perhaps maybe not a millennial. millennial. Wiser before your time? Y- yeah, maybe so. I doubt it, but maybe so. <laughs> um, so, you know, is it, is, it, is it that we're the wrong target market um, 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 to start with? Um, yeah. Is it a case yeah. where uh, actually, you know, is it a case where events, you know, we've had our dip in the toe of virtual events. A lot of people were were put off. Um, and so is it a case where actually the direction of travel for the metaverse mm. is elsewhere? And I anticipate it is elsewhere anyway, just to be clear. Mm. Um, um, so going back to your question, five years time, will we know a bit more about it? 
I, I believe so, because I think that that's definitely, you know, you, you don't have fa Facebook changing to meta and then them kind of going full force into this world. And then plus other stuff that's happening with regards to crypto and, mm. um, and, and blockchain and NFTs and so on and so forth. Right. Yeah. There is definitely a move for that way. Um, um, but a bit like crypto, I think there'll be, you know, some early adopters that may do very well or may indeed not um um and then similarly those that and, and the majority that join the party where they feel it's still early but actually fairly late in comparison to the early adopters mm. um you know maybe is is the boat been missed but actually from an opportunity perspective a commercial opportunity perspective um but indeed there to use um in in a a sense a more of a consumer-based world rather than a business-to-business-based world. Sure. Yeah. Caroline, I just, just wonder if you, if you might give us your thought on something that Jack said then um, as we start wrapping up on, on that sort of generational question. Um, and again, it just while you were saying that, Jackie... Did you just call me old? No, 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 not at all. Because I'm gonna re I'm gonna reference the fact that I mentioned my son who's 16 years old, and and as yeah. I, I I inadvertently just used five years as the time reference, mm. but Five years on from now, he's going to be 21. So potentially, mm -hmm. literally just wrapping up, if he get, chooses to go to university, he will have just graduated and heading out into the big wide world for, for jobs. And he has grown up, you know, in a world where he has a PlayStation, where he plays against people online all the time. He's grown mm -hmm. up in a world of smartphones. And, and, and as Jack said, uh, uh, are we maybe asking some of these questions and not giving enough thought to the fact that actually it might not be us that needs to understand this. It's the next generation yeah. we're going to be working in five years. I mean, yes, um, we are, we're, the impact on us is going to be considerably less than the impact and possibly not even on your 16 year old, but you know, perhaps on, on Jack's younger children, you know, um, until you have a generation that has grown up, um, uh, not knowing anything else, that is when it will become an in, sort of an intrinsic part of life. Mm -hmm. We will always remember the time before the website. We will always remember the time before the phone. We will always remember the time before social media. Um, and um, as a result, that colors and limits our uh, approach to it. Um, mm -hmm. uh, we, it, it fits into our life in a, in a different way. Right, it 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 fits into our repertoire of tools differently than it does if you're eight today and forty eight. You know the yeah. the the use cases and the relationship that you have with technology evolves over time. Sure. And so, I think in five years. Um, I think in five years we'll still have this conversation and I think your 21 year old will still go for a job interview with a real person. Right? I hope so. I think in 25 years, um, apart from the fact that I will very much be on a beach with a pina colada, not doing <laughs> this. Um, but in the metaverse or in real life? Sorry? Oh, oh no, it, most definitely. I will have sand between my toes, Jack. I will send you a, I will send you a postcard. Um, that, uh, I do think in 25 years, we we will be looking at something that we don't relate with, to and we don't understand. And we'll be like, what's wrong with a good book? You know, 
Um, yeah. But yeah. that's the pace of change, right? That's, you gotta, we, um, we are all on this journey and we don't really know the end and some of it mm. makes it uncomfortable. And I feel a little bit sad. I'll feel, I'll, personally, I'll feel sad, but, you know, if it goes too far and what people miss and there's some sort of weird dystopian world, but um, yeah. by that point, I'll be sitting on a beach with a sandwich with Matthias and Fina Colada. So we'll, good luck. We'll, we'll all just storm a, 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 an events venue, barricade ourselves in and, 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 and play music and talk to people for, you know, until we're kicked out. We'll probably get arrested. Yeah, like the apocalypse. It'll just, it'll just be the that me just in Sheffield Arena with a guitar and a speaker, desperately looking for somewhere to plug it into because there's no such thing as you know wired power anymore. Um, I don't know. I don't know. Who knows where we're going to be? And, and I suppose that, that that that's a good way to, to to wrap up today. Who knows where we're going to be? That that is very much the case at the moment. As I said at the beginning, we've spoken about the metaverse on this podcast previously, and 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 you know there are advocates for it out there who say it will be a you know almost a silver bullet for the events industry it's going to offer these unlimited possibilities but as we've um so sort of interestingly highlighted and discussed today with examples and comment um it is still very much the unknown at the moment and i think if you would ask you know a hundred people who works in the events industry you know that is this going to change things significantly are people going to stop coming face to face I, I would suspect that the vast majority of those people will have similar views to the ones that we've expressed today, which is that you cannot replicate the the feelings, the emotions, the trust. I think that's a word that we've maybe not not used, but there is a certainly a trust element, particularly at business events, where you yeah. know the shake of the hand, the looking in the eyes, the meeting of that person, the body language across the table, Jack, at, at the at the you know the the networking events. Um, you struggle to replicate the sort of trust that you build in people by seeing them in a room face to face and in person. Um, and, and I think that's going to be a real, real tough nut to crack, but one that no doubt we shall continue to discuss uh, on the podcasts. Um, Caroline and Jack, before we, we wrap up today's podcast, um, let's, let's give you both a little opportunity to just tell our, our, our podcast followers a little bit about how they can get in touch with you if they want to find out about your respective companies. Caroline, first to you, um, if people want to find out about Mesh and what, what you guys do, how do they do that? How do they get in touch with you? Really simple, Caroline at Mesh.com or www.mesh.com um, and feel free to have a look and reach out if you're interested in understanding a little bit more about your live experiences. Um, and we should point out, Caroline, if I'm not mistaken, Mesh is two H's, double yes, H at the end. So Mesh.com, but with a double H at the end of yes. Mesh. Excellent. Fabulous. And Jack, similarly, Partnership Network Events, if people want to find out what you guys are up to, um, how do they get in touch? Yes, yeah, certainly. So, so LinkedIn is probably a good place to find me. So Jack Jacob um uh, uh and then the email is jack at pne-uk.com um but do connect if you're listening we're on a, a huge growth trajectory um and um and and would be be, be well we're sharing the journey so so do, do connect and, and let's give a shout out uh, we did discuss it off air beforehand uh, you're, you're looking for people at the moment jack Go on. Oh, we're, 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 let's give let's give the shout out because we were talking about recruitment on the podcast on an episode last week you know and there'll be people listening to this who who might want to you know change a scenery or a new opportunity absolutely well we're looking for a number of people across sales production delegate acquisition um we've got a senior marketing role as well we're looking for we're looking for our first marketing director we've we're currently outsourcing our marketing but we're bringing that in-house um, and developing a marketing team starting with clearly a marketing director to then develop that team so 
certainly if you're a senior marketing director or senior marketeer rather um and can operate at marketing director level then please definitely do get in touch um because i'd love not to pay a recruitment fee <laughs> um brilliant um to both thank you very much today our guests today on the podcast have been caroline mcguckian ceo from mesh and jack jacob the managing director and founder of partnership network events thanks to you both for joining the podcast today it's been great and, and please do come back on let's pick up this conversation you know further down the line you know i often invite people back on you know in two or three months time but um maybe this is going to be like sort of pulse disco 2000 um we're all going to meet up in five years time and and uh, with headsets on um and, and and see where see where we stand um of course if you, if you are listening to this podcast today on one of your audio platforms don't forget that you can head over to eventindustrynews.com to check out video versions of all of our podcasts and while you're there you can then look at the latest news features and special supplements that are on the eventindustrynews.com website as well of course as the legendary a to z supplier directory if you're a, an organizer looking for a particular product or service within the events industry the a to z supplier directory on eventindustrynews.com is the place to go and of course if you are already watching this on that website thank you very much for tuning in don't forget you can subscribe in the opposite direction by going to wherever you get your podcasts from and you can access audio versions of all of the event industry news podcasts which brings us nicely to the end of today's episode our thanks again to caroline and jack for joining us today on the podcast we will see you on the next edition thanks very much everybody for tuning in stay safe everybody goodbye thank you thanks.